0: There's this natural settling, of course. And we let the experience of the body and the emotional tone of the mind, the heart, we allow it to fill this space, space of awareness that simply recognizes that it is like this now. It feels like this this willingness to be right in the middle right in the middle of the emotional tone whatever that might be now right in the middle of the experience of embodiment, the sensations, the tone of the mind, the attitude of the mind, right in the middle. And at this point in the retreat, as you're settling in to a formal sitting period, you might be able to notice habits of wanting to practice, wanting to direct the attention here or there. And of course, these habits are neither good nor bad, they're just the tendency of the mind in this setting. The tendency is for these patterns to arise. And they can also be noticed with awareness. Some of those practice habits will have the quality of controlling, wanting to control one's experience. Some of them will have the tone of kindness, Some will express very authentic interest and understanding things as they are. So instead of acting out these practice intentions right away, we can just sit in the experience of embodiment right in the middle, right in the middle of the emotional tone, qualities of mind. And notice the intentions to practice. Notice which ones are trustworthy. Trusting the intention, the quality of the intention. And which practice intentions feel unwholesome, feel tight. and perhaps appreciating the momentum, the mind's momentum of returning to this awareness, recognizing the present moment, recognizing that it's like this now, this is being known And perhaps today with a special emphasis on being interested in the feeling tone. Awareness right here in the middle, recognizing that this moment, the moment of sensation or the moment of knowing the mind, this moment feels like this, it's pleasant like this, or unpleasant like this, or neither pleasant nor unpleasant like this, and just acknowledging the feeling. Notice that it too comes and goes, it's a dynamic process, it's not personal. Notice, of course, the tendency for the mind to want to construct a story around the feeling and how those stories always come with some stress. They're heavy in some way. Is it possible for the awareness to be steady, steadily aware of the feeling right here in the heart, right here in the body, and to see it for what it is? Approaching, opening with a fresh, Attitude, I don't know mind. So we'll continue now in silence. Knowing that it's okay to relax. That objects, experiences arise here in the space of awareness. If the mind remembers, then there's the knowing of the object that's arising And if the mind's interested, wisdom's interested, then there can be a knowing that it feels like this now. This object of experience, the sensation, the sound, this thought, has this feeling. It's pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. Or can this be okay that it's like this now? So for the last minute or two, sensing if you can, and a more effortless quality in the practice. Noticing how awareness is knowing the objects that arise. Wisdom is interested in comprehending things coming and going, how they feel, how things unfold. And all of this can just happen because of the momentum that we've been building. Even one's attitude can be known. Can this be okay? We have some time for questions about practice. Yes. Yeah, and it's probably moment to moment. So she talked about um, being aware of a feeling of loneliness and that uh, she has a way of not getting caught in the content and being aware of the feeling. It sounded like a visceral feeling, maybe in the heart area. And then as she is aware of that, there's awareness of that. There's a sense of it welling up and then tears flowing. And then the question uh, just curious about whether there's an over identification with the emotion, and uh like I mentioned, it may be moment to moment I mean in a moment there may be an identification, and in another moment there may not be and Our practice is just as best we can to track that, but to uh, also be aware of any uh, judgment in the mind or any kind of evaluation of what's moving you know that you know emotion is has both mental components and obviously physical components to it, and so we're that's what I mean by that movement, so it's a movement of mental activity and emotion physical activity and you know and this is what I was saying last night too about observing whether the mind needs a story to explain what's happening and uh, just in a in a kind way, just to see, do, do I need a story, or can the movement be what's being known and what's being felt? Can that be okay not to really know what's happening to us? And it can feel, initially, a little scary. We have a way of thinking that we protect ourselves by telling ourselves a story about what's happening to us, but we can wean ourselves off of that habit by cultivating just like a don't know mind, they say sometimes in the Zen tradition. But in this practice, it's this uh, trust in what's actually presenting itself, that what's happening is that, right? And the idea, the story is never, I mean, that's just the story, that's also happening, but it's not that Visceral movement that you're experiencing, or the tears that you're feeling, and what goes with those tears, and people know who've been practicing that there are times in practice when things move, and uh, our job is to be aware that it's moving, and to be aware of any story or any resistance to that movement, and. Uh, if you notice an identification, because these things tend to be seductive, and initially it feels like we're more safe when we do identify with it, um, then just acknowledge, and if you can, you can like observe how there's always tension. Even if it's a relatively wholesome story you're telling yourself about what's happening, the mind's identification, its dependence on needing a story can be experienced as tension, you know, like a contraction and unnecessary, but it takes time to sort of realize that little by little. Thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah, all the way in the back. Well, you know, it's, it's always interesting in practice. So she talked about noticing, planning, understanding to being aware that there's some fear underneath it, right? And then wondering if you're working too hard. You mean working too hard to see what's underneath? Yeah. And so I think the general practice point is uh, because we always get involved in the practice initially as... I'm going to do something, you know, my life is screwed up so I'm going to go on a Buddhist retreat or I have this aspiration to be special so I'm going to go on a Buddhist retreat or whatever it is that gets us here, it's an ego project one way or another. (laughs) But then if we really follow the instructions, that becomes unbearable, you know, whatever story we came with. And this is why, like in the instructions this morning and, and just generally, over the course of our practice, and over the course of even one retreat, we wanna be reminded, we wanna remind ourselves about the possibility of the practice having its own momentum, and at, in moments at least, feeling more and more effortless. Because otherwise, that movement of the mind, when it knew there was planning, and then suspected, you know, and you, you thought, well, maybe it's neutral. And then you checked and, no, there was some fear. There was some charge there. And initially, it feels like, you know, I'm being the good meditator and I'm doing that work. And I've got to peel back the layers. And especially on a hot day, it's hard work. And I probably deserve a break now. And <laughs> But what we want to just ask, like... Um, And this is why I use that image. And it's just an image, but you can see if that helps. Like instead of the sense of me, the awareness going down to the object, you can just use as an image that uh, there's this space of awareness. And objects, like it or not, with no effort required, objects are just arising in that space, ceaselessly, showing up in that space. And the only thing at play is whether the mind is remembering to notice that there is this natural effortless space of awareness and that objects are ceaselessly arising in that space. And that kind of evokes a more uh, trusting and more relaxed practice so that planning arises in that space. wondering if it's neutral arises in that space, the mind checking arises, knowing that the mind's checking arises in that space, knowing the fear arises in that space, Uh, wondering why this feels like work arises in that space, am I trying too hard arises in that space, that question. So it's like all of that doesn't have to be a self project. It could have been just that natural, because this is nature. I mean, this is just from the point of view of the Buddha sort of painting a picture for us, like what, what's, where are we going with this practice? And so he says, right, it doesn't seem that way initially as a, somebody um, with our self views, but he says basically this is just nature happening, right? And that nature has a way of happening without somebody at the center needing to make it happen. So we want to be alert to those views, and we want to start holding our practice not from that frame that I'm doing it, but that we're setting something in motion, we're sort of shaping something, using the teachings that we get to sort of shape something or to understand something. And in the end, that's our intervention in our practices, like how we're understanding the practice is actually a lot of how we intervene to sort of shape our practice. From a relatively simplistic way of understanding a practice, I'm sitting here trying to notice objects, to noticing that objects are being known. And now they're being known, and now they're being known, and how that changes everything, just that continuity of knowing. Yeah, thanks. Maybe time for one more? Yeah, maybe over here. Two things that come up a lot are curiosity and playfulness. How do you cultivate those? In practice? Well maybe you could tell us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of the real diseases, and I and I think it's a shadow, not just in Buddhist practice, but in a, a lot of spiritual practices, is this seriousness and self-importance and it's totally understandable. I mean I I definitely had it more big time back when I was getting started because not everybody but a lot of us come into practice because we're suffering and that feels serious and then there's very self-important I'm gonna do something about the suffering you know and it's like play seems like don't you get it we're suffering So it's useful to have some lightness uh, or find somebody who can bring some lightness into the practice as a specific strategy to expose ideas of self-importance and seriousness that really are arising from self-view, from fear, not from intelligence or from understanding what the Buddha is saying. And this is a great thing, I mean, if you get the opportunity to see deeply enlightened beings or... An ordinary person who's having a deeply enlightened moment—they <laughs> tend to be really light, <laughs> and they tend to laugh pretty easily and cry pretty easily, and sort of they're just real and uh, and sort of responding appropriately in the moment, and uh, they're not weighted down by life. I mean, that's the sort of general quality of somebody in that in those moments is expressing some wisdom is it's okay I mean that's the when insight is strong in the mind the general tone the the general sort of effect on the mind is it's okay it may be messy but it's okay whatever it is it's okay not heavy so however you can do that you know and it's probably going to be different for different people and uh, you know, as teachers, we don't try to be funny, <laughs> but fortunately just talking about our minds is funny. <laughs> so if, if you hear somebody sobbing in the room, you, you know it's totally appropriate. And if you hear somebody every once in a while giggling in the room, it's also okay. It happens. Thanks for your questions and just a a couple of announcements. So in the spirit of being deep into the retreat, Steve and Deborah and I thought it would be nice just to have an open afternoon, which I know for some of you might be even a little scary like, you mean there's nothing scheduled in the afternoon? Yes, there's nothing scheduled in the (laughs) afternoon, (laughs) except you can be aware or you can experience the suffering of not being aware (laughs) and learn from that. But it's, it's really uh, knowing, you know, you have your lunch and then there's just this open space. And uh, it, you'll notice, like I noticed probably, all the little projects I have in my mind to be a good yogi, you know, I'm going to do it right. Or, and uh, when my practice is going reasonably well, I'll notice that every single project is tainted with suffering, you know, it's tight. And, but I'm afraid of just letting the practice happen. I'm afraid of just trusting the momentum of the practice. So you can experiment. It's really okay to have a project, like I'm gonna go sit now. I'm gonna go make myself walk now. I'm gonna, it's totally okay to do those things. But then notice if there's any any stress involved, any self-identification involved in that. And then notice moments when you really just trust the practice to do what's next, whatever that's going to be, and it will be just the mind remembering to recognize the present moment, that it's like this now. And then Steve's going to do standing meditation with a little guidance at 7 o'clock again tonight to 7.25, so join in if you'd like here in the meditation hall. So wishing everyone a good day of practice.